0: Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, I want to speak today about money without asking for any. Huh? How about that for a novel idea? I'm a new pastor trying out all sorts of new things, okay? So um, I've never seen that done, actually. I've been a priest eight years. I was in the seminary for 10. I was a Catholic before that. I never saw a priest take time to help you ponder God's word as it's applied to faith without then asking for money. So I thought, well, that's our problem. That was our fault, not yours. So I'd like to do that today. I'd like to take a little bit of time and show you that first off, Jesus has more teachings about money than he does prayer. So if you read the gospel, he's talking about money, the poor, helping others, being generous, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, what to do when you borrow something, forgiving of debts. There's more on that in the Gospels than Jesus' teachings on prayer. So it's the first thing to let you know is that if you're gonna be a disciple of Jesus, The church and the priests and God and the scriptures, we do have to talk about money because otherwise we're not being faithful to the Bible. And so that is a topic that comes up. Now, how we talk about it, of course, is a delicate art form, but uh, nonetheless, it needs to be talked about. So I want to begin with this. Jesus loves you, like a lot, And he wants to be with you. He just kind of wants to share time with you and life with you. He's not interested in what you can do for him. Or the mistakes you made last night or on the drive here or 20 years ago. He has the power to forgive those and that's not who you are. Who you are is an image bearer of God. And Jesus wants to awaken in you that immense dignity and goodness. And He does it by giving you little moments where you can sense and taste that He delights in you, that He really enjoys you. And He kind of wants to be like playful with you. So He wants to share real life with you. He wants to let you know that He's near you when life is overwhelming and burdensome and scary. He wants to know like, what you really enjoy when things are going really well and how great things are. He is the image of the Father. And so he brings into our lives this parental love of utter devotion, delight, and perfect goodness. And so, of course, we sin, we aren't perfect. He says, yeah, I'm going to forgive that. If you ask me to forgive it, I'll forgive it. But he goes, all right, that's done. I, I want to be with you. I want to enjoy your life. And in fact, the whole activity of being a part of a church is the church, through the help of the Holy Spirit, is trying to get the life of Christ to grow in you. It's as if Jesus wants to say, I want to cultivate you. I want to make you not just in the image of God, I also want to transform you into the likeness of God. That you would actually be able to share this gracious love with others. That discovering that you yourself are a gift from God, you would give yourself as a gift to others freely, beautifully, wonderfully. Awakening in them that they matter to God and then also to us. Because as Jesus draws near, what opens in us is that, oh my gosh, all these people have relationships with God. That everybody is somebody. And that matters to us. And so this love wants to touch our real life. There's a phrase in the church that the church is condemned from the earliest days and it's called dualism. It's that we live two lives. We've got our real life and then We go to church and we don't often let them touch because we have our spiritual practices and then we have our real life. But see, God like became human. He became one of us. He worked. He had a family. He had friends. He saw and dealt with politics. He knew things like sexuality and money. He entered into all the human realities to show that nothing is outside of the Lord's love. Nothing in your life is insignificant to God. Everything in your life matters to him. And Jesus is always trying to convey this with sayings like, every hair on your head has been counted. As I look out, that means more to some than others, but I'm right there with you, just maybe a few years behind, so don't worry. But every hair, what a dumb thing for God to know unless He's utterly fascinated and in love with you. You mean that much to Him. And so in the gospel today, Jesus gives this teaching where He says, Listen, your heart can't have two allegiances. I love you a lot. I'm good. I'll never hurt you, I'll never lead you into destitution. But your security, your sense of well-being, your peace, your hope, it cannot be in mammon. And we go, oh good, I don't even know who mammon is. I must be fine. Mammon's the biblical word for economic security. But let's not lie. I mean, living paycheck to paycheck is a very anxious life. When I was in seventh grade, we filed bankruptcy, and at 13 years old, I got my first job, and I've been working ever since. My mom had two jobs, my dad had two jobs, and in seventh grade, that was it. Family dynamics broke down, and we were just workers, because we had to survive. So that's not beautiful either. God the Father, that's not His plan for families either. But neither is that the answer is going to be, once I get enough money, then Fill in the blank. Then I can be happy. Then I could be good. Then we could have good family times. Then I can be enough. Then I matter. Then I'm loved. All that is freely given, freely given, offered to you in Jesus at every moment. He really wants to just say, You're enough. I love you. I will put my peace in you. I will take care of you. But I need you to give me your heart. More than your own ideas and efforts. Jesus, I need you to live like I live as a child before the Father, knowing that He sees you and will never abandon you. Because in doing that, I also need your help. Jesus, I need your help because I not only want to transform you so that you can know the Father like I know the Father, but He says, I also want you to become like me to others. I need you to become a gift to others. And the best gift we give is not our money. It's our very selves. But see, most of us think we're bad, so we don't think we're a gift. But you're an unrepeatable image of God and his son or daughter. You are the gift. And then on top of that, he blesses us with things. There's a teaching that we've all heard so many times that every good gift comes from God. But I don't know that we actually sit to enjoy that. Like, how about a beautiful summer in Ohio? Like, very little days of oppressive humidity. It's been an amazing summer That's a good thing. Do we stop? And and I'm not like religious shaming. Thank God. Do you really enjoy this and just say, this is the kind of life that God's trying to cultivate in me? This life of goodness and beauty. Have you had an amazing picnic this summer or barbecue? Were you able to go on a trip at all? Have you been able to recognize this is the kind of life God wants beautiful things for us and good things? And then he says, you're not alone. You're a part of a family. And I have sons and daughters, your brothers and sisters, that need help. That can't enjoy the good things that I want for them without your help. And then this is where monetary giving comes in the three t's of the catholic church for giving are time talent and treasure some people can do all three some people can do just one of the three but to make a gift of ourselves to another that they might know the good things god has in store for them is one of the deepest intimacies of jesus We come to know Jesus from the inside out, how much joy he had in bestowing on us and others good gifts because we share in that mission. And Mother Teresa came to America and said, America is the poorest country I've ever been to. How about that? (laughs) You can go home on your plane now, Mother Teresa. Thank you for visiting. How could she possibly say that? She said, America was poor in love, because everyone was so busy trying to make a living that kids felt lonely in their homes. Spouses felt neglected. People went with no one else showing them with their eyes and their time, you matter. I will sacrifice other things to be with you, because you're more important than the corporate ladder. You're more important than my to-do list. You are God's son and daughter, and I'm going to spend some time with you. And so the church, on Sundays, we have the, uh, the collections taken every Sunday, and it's important to recognize that perhaps some of my predecessors, maybe a little bitter, would say, uh, put money in the basket. You like air conditioning? You like lights? You like heating? That's how it works. Give us the money so we can have nice buildings. And okay, there's something too. like, yeah, we want to have nice buildings and nice facilities because we want anyone in the world to come here so they can realize their dignity. That you are loved by God and He cares about you. And yeah, you sin like we do, but Jesus will forgive you. And more importantly, He wants to be with you. But the collection on Sunday in every church is much more about the mission of the church. We have a large staff here, why? So that the outreach to inner city, over I think 14 ministries we do for the inner city out of St. Basil's, that they are organized and effective and well-planned, where you need someone full-time to do those type of things. Or that young people from PSR through middle school, awakening starts tonight, and high school life team, that they might know that there's hope that they are good, God loves them, and any mistakes they've already made or any pain or wounds or fear in their heart, they can be healed by Jesus. And there's a community who will walk with them always so that the people of God can become holy even at young ages. We exist for that as well. We also exist simply to be a place where we can worship God because we need worship. We need to be in touch with something bigger than ourselves that loves us and we can say thank you and praise you and I'm all yours. That wells up in us. And so the one of the ways we support that is money. And so when Jesus teaches about money, his goal is not that we become destitute. His goal is that, remember, it's a gift and we're called to become a gift. And so we can be a part of so many beautiful things and share so many good news. One of the ministries we do here is for the... The aging and the grieving. We send people the first year of a death in the family four times that year. They get a packet, a little booklet in the mail to help them process their grief. We offer a funeral liturgy so that it's a beautiful thing with the choir so that their family can grieve and offer to God prayers. We offer marriage renewals. Every parish is alive and bustling trying to offer people the beautiful life Jesus wants for us. And so his teaching on money is not some sort of capitalistic bottom line dollar experience. It's that the mission can keep going. And so one of the things is this parish, I don't get to tell you guys this a lot, you guys do a really good job at it. Again, and I don't know how many years it's been running, but enough to have the reputation, we were number one in Catholic charities again this year. By some of you for the first time giving, some of you, you do it every year, Your hard-earned money. You said, yes, it's hard-earned for me, but I know there's people who need to learn how to read in the inner city. There's addiction rehab programs, there's clothing shelters, food shelters, and we want to meet their needs. And so this parish again this past year was number one in Catholic charities because of your generosity. All I wanted to do today was give a little biblical logic for a lot of the practices a lot of you already do. And so maybe today a reflection is, what is my relationship with money and God? Have you ever printed out your credit card statement and prayed with it? I'm weird, I know, but still. (laughs) I heard someone say this past week, it's a big theological statement of what you value and I value. What we think matters. Maybe there's an invitation there for you and I to go before God and say, God, you've given me so much. What's one thing this week you're asking me to give and to whom so that like Jesus, I can make myself a gift to let others know that they matter not only to us, But above all, they matter to God. Amen.